uh, again, Patrice? Check, check. Welcome to the In Vino Fab podcast. Today we're excited to chat with Sue Caulfield and Kristen Abel to talk about the committed project, mental health, and so much more. Kristen Abel is one of the two co-founders of the Committed Project and is the Executive Director of Awareness and Advocacy. She serves as the Assistant Director of Digital Services at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and has been in higher ed for a long time in a variety of roles. She loves to write and has written extensively about her experiences with mental illness, both online and for the book she will one day publish, She Swears. She lives with the two loves of her life, her awesome husband, Sean, and her amazing son, Aiden, and their small zoo of animals, which I'm excited to learn more about. You can connect with Kristen at Kristen at thecommittedproject.org or on Twitter at Kristen underscore A-B-E-L-L. And we will have that in our show notes. Sue Caulfield is one of the two co-founders of the Committed Project and is our director of visual translation. By day, she serves as the Director of Student Affairs at the Zucker School of Medicine, which is in New York City. By night and sometimes other parts of the day, she is a maker. Her favorite days are spent walking to a local shop, listening to a podcast, and getting a good meal with her better half, Dan. Twitter at Sue Caulfield. There's an underscore before her name. We'll give you that, too. It's complicated. By the way, Visual Translation, awesome title. Good work. I mean, we made them up, so, you know. <laughs> yes. Sharing her Instagram as well, which I have been having a really enjoyable time checking out all of your illustrations. Thanks. Hashtag soodles. All right. So these two cool cats back in 2015 uh, decided to curate and collect a bunch of blog posts, blog posts from the Student Affairs Collective, an organization dedicated for student affairs professionals. In it, this edited collection became a book that Sue and Kristen edited with Soodles, Doodles by Sue, to illustrate a compilation of stories about mental illness and student affairs. And this book's called Committed, the, students, the Stories of Mental Illness and Student Affairs. Kristen helped with narrating experiences, and Sue created the drawings that relate to each personal story around higher education practitioners, professionals, staff, who are dealing with mental illness and well-being. So from this book, came this amazing project we're going to talk about today called The Committed Project. It's an organization that advocates for and supports higher professionals experiencing mental illness. So I think this is a really important topic. I'm really thrilled to have you come talk about the project on this podcast and in VinoFab and how it's expanded over the last year or so since I've last chatted with you both ladies. So welcome to the pod. Hi. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Beyond the uh, introduction that we shared, what else can you tell us that you're up to these days? (laughs) Uh, A lot of stuff. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, All the work things. But also, for me, this this Kristen, um, for me, um, as Laura mentioned, I'm an avid reader, so I always have a book that I'm reading. And then I also cross-stitch. Um, and so I'm actually working on, uh, I just finished, uh, a special present, which, uh, will have been given, I think by the time that I, that this airs. So it's for Susan for her wedding. So that was kind of fun to, to do. And then, um, I've got some other projects that I'm working on. I always have ideas to do more, but, uh, a limited time and limited hand energy to do 
those. What is the book that you're reading? Um, I'm reading the second Crazy Rich Asians book. It's China Rich Girlfriend. So I just, uh, I read the book, the Crazy Rich Asians a, a couple weeks ago and then saw the movie last weekend. So this is kind of a nice continuation of that. I haven't read Kevin Kwan's book yet, but I want to read that before the movie. So, so good. Okay. It was really, really enjoyable. I want to go see the movie, but I feel like I should read the book first, but I know that's not going to happen. So I'm like, you don't need to. He said it's close to it. He was on a podcast I listened to. He said it's very close. Okay. It's really close. They did a great job with it. Okay. So noted. Maybe that's a good excuse for movie theater popcorn. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) See, I like Um, your feminist t-shirt, by the way. Thanks. Way to bring it for the pod. Hi, listeners. I'm Sue. This is my voice. Um, you will hear me eating throughout this podcast because that's my brand. <laughs> so I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I don't have anything crunchy today, though, so we'll see. We'll I'm see. so disappointing. I know. I'm sorry. If there's weird mouth noises, we'll edit them out or something. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. I'm, I'm the editor in this one. <laughs> nice try. I'm not really responsible for that now, but it's fine. Okay, tell them that you podcast, Lynn, because this helps you talk about how you talk to another podcast. Yeah, so um, I'm a part of two podcasts. One is for the Committed Project, so on the behind the scenes part of that one, you'll hear, hear mostly Kristen's voice on our podcast, um, and then me at the end, just filling in some some gaps and some standard things that we we like to do. Um, And then the other podcast that I'm a part of is called The Imposters Podcast. And it's me and three of my other girlfriends. Basically, if you're a good friend of mine, I make you do a podcast with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is part of that. So, um, So we talk about creativity and what it's like to be um, a woman and be creative and um, all of the wonderful and frustrating things that come along with that. Um, So I do that with Becca, Ama, and Mal. And we are, we're technically in the middle of a season right now, but Mal just became a mom. So we're all sort of pressing pause too, because, uh, you know, I hear that that's pretty taxing. So <laughs> give it for a moment. <laughs> yeah, the imposterspod.com. We'll definitely link to that in the notes so people can check out your fun and zany and different conversations. I think it's great. Yeah, we, we curse a lot. It's nice. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I frequently send them questions, you know, just I'm like, I need you guys to talk about this now. Yeah. Oh, Kristen, you, it hasn't come out yet. So you don't know. Uh, I know whole, I've been. Yeah. <laughs> our whole finale is actually around a question that Kristen asked because we felt like we couldn't answer it in an email. So we just took it and made a whole episode out of it. It's, it's easier to talk it out than write it out. So much. I, especially for me, so much easier. <laughs> All right. And I did a brief introduction to the committed project, but it's been going on for quite some time. So the initiation of a blog post to book and into what it was in 2016, is that when it kind of was born? Is that the 2015? Well, we, we consider 2015. Mm-hmm. It was the year we did the AC. The, we, it was the year we did ACPA, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, oh yeah. Sorry. These two lovely ladies have Pachakta talks. 
on different topics. Uh, they are six minutes, 40 seconds, 20 slides, quick advancing chats. Uh, we'll also link that had discussions of actually what you both do around committed and other things uh, from visual learning to mental health, mental illness. Um, so those are great talks that I love that you did everything in 2015. You must have been a, had a busy year. We, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we didn't plan that well now that I think about now. Um, I think that was why we did it, though, because it was we were spending time together. We kind of worked with each other a little bit on our PKs, um, and then we roomed together at ACPA and, like, practiced them several times together. And then um, uh, we're still talking uh, to each other afterwards, which is always a good thing. And and that's when we Sue started kind of saying, hey, I, I want to do more with this mental health thing. I think there's more here. And um, start, we started just kind of bouncing ideas off each other as we do. Like Sue will say, what about this? And I'll be like, ooh, but then we could do this plus this, you know. And um, so that's where the, the idea of having stories with, illustrations came in. So that was the first uh, year of committed. And then we did um, a second year and we, we tend to focus in May cause that's mental health awareness month. Although we try to provide resources year round now. Um, but we did a couple of years of just blog posts um, or I think the second year we did some videos and some other stuff in there as well in May. And then the next year we decided to branch out to the website I think that's right. I'm like looking at Sue. I'm like, I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. We we basically have taken an idea that, um, you know, could go, we could do this forever and make full-time jobs out of it if someone were to pay us for it, essentially. There's never Absolutely. enough resources for mental illness and professionals and student affairs and in higher ed for um, with mental illness. But we've taken essentially what we both could manage and grown it very slowly into something that can, you know, live in an evergreen way and hopefully help people along the way. And then we try to highlight it at least once a year. And with May being Mental Health Awareness Month, that's the month that we've, uh, you know, tended to, to do a lot of our work in. But this podcast is a way for us to sort of have some content come out in a manageable way for us throughout the year, um, which has been really cool because, as you guys know, podcasts are a great way to really get to hear people's stories um, in those fringe hours throughout the day, which I really love because it's like you get in. It's sort of like how Kristen reads a million books a year. <laughs> you know, well, I'm in the car a million hours a day. It's like uh, it's a great way to just sort of, um, you know, learn a lot, which I like a lot. So this project is one of the first projects that focus on professionals like staff members in higher ed and not students. So this is really unique in, from what I've seen because, um, and this is based out of the U.S., so we're speaking from an American perspective. There isn't a big focus on staff or professionals, um, and that could be faculty or staff or student affairs, um, academic affairs, the focus on them and their mental illness and mental well-being. So what was the motivation for that? Well, <laughs> you go first, Kristen. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the reasons that Sue reached out to me was because of the PK that I did, where I was talking about the fact that in student affairs and in higher ed, really, um, overall, there is, we have a unique set of factors that increase the issues are for us, it increases 
the fact that we experience mental illness. Um, and some of that's, you know, low budgets, lots of, uh, roles that we all play. And we're a lot of times the support system for our students. Um, and, and so we have all these resources for students on our campus, not enough, of course, but we have way more for them than we have for the staff. Plus we don't get paid a whole hell of a lot in higher ed. And so to access mental health care is super hard. And so, um, when I first started the, when I did the talk, you know, I really was just kind of saying, look, I, I have this really scary, scary illness and I've been too scared to tell people that I work for about it, but it almost killed me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I said that, I think that it was so much the response that, that we got or that I got at that time. And then, you know, I had written about it a few times at that point that were like, this is not just me and Sue um, can talk about herself as well. But like, we were seeing that there are all these people that were saying, yes, me too. Like I, yes, I have this too. And I'm scared to tell my employer. And so it was, it was becoming really clear that it's okay to talk about students having mental illness, but it wasn't okay to talk about professionals who have mental illness. And I think that like that for me was kind of the big elephant in the room that we needed to tackle. I, I like mixed like 20 metaphors there. I hey, like whatever. It's fine. Spoiler alert for those who are going to watch your video. Kristen talks about her mental illness. So, but still, <laughs> it still will make you cry. So go watch it, please. Yeah. Yeah. The community building, I think is an important part of what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've worked to develop a uh, community? What's, you know, been successful and what hasn't? It started with Sue, right? What'd you do, Sue? You're like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the committed project goes or just in general, the committed project we'll yeah. go with. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think, I mean, I think we, we realized that people, I think we realized when the committed project just, you know, when it started that the only way that this was going to be successful and, you know, that we, the involvement of others and, other people sharing their stories is really the way to go about this, right? We saw that be so successful with Kristen's talk, particularly because if you are, um, you know, in communities already online, people know you or they think they know you. <laughs> they probably know something about you. Um, and then to sort of show this other part of you and show that, you know, you're still, um, a functioning human being in this world. However, sometimes it feels like you're not and you have all this other shit going on <laughs> is a, is a great way to sort of tell that story. Um, so I think the community that we built with committed started with that. It just started with people who were willing to share their stories. And I think we accidentally bumped into this place where it was like, okay, we really thought that it was just going to be four people sharing their stories, two of us being Kristen and myself, <laughs> But um, being that this is something that people didn't really talk about, a lot more came forward than we thought. And it's evolved from there. And I think the podcast is a real, really a continuation of that. Um, and the community, for us, community building is, is interesting because there are some people who are willing to share their story and willing to put their name out there, like Kristen or myself. I think we're both pretty open about 
um, what we've been dealing with in our own ways, Kristen and her writing, me and my comics, um, and then on both of the podcasts, actually. <laughs> um, but for other people, you know, sharing their story anonymously, either on our blog or on our podcast or however they're comfortable, is much more where they're at. So I think the fact that we've allowed our community to sort of share, uh, I always wave my hands when I speak and our listeners can't see that. I'm doing the Italian waving hand thing. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Like, this is screen says it's okay. I know, so. I know seriously. Um, you know, for our listeners to have options to be involved in the community, either as an observer or as a someone who shares or someone who shares all the time and with their name behind it, it's sort of a way for us to um, give people, you know, diff- different variations of whatever they're ready to share, um, which is, I think is crucial when you're talking about mental illness in particular, we are trying to rip stigma away from this, but we need to do it in a way that's manageable for the people that are actually dealing with this on a day-to-day basis. So I think we've, I mean, Kristen, I think we found that balance like pretty well. I mean, totally biased, but I think we're doing a pretty good job. (laughs) I think we're getting there. Um, I think probably the biggest challenge with it has been, um, we have a lot of new professionals who are more willing to share um, as opposed to more seasoned professionals, and I, which makes total sense to me because uh, there are some generational aspects to stigma as well. Um, and so that's, some, that's an area that we've been trying to branch out more in. Um, I'm just going to throw his name out there. Gavin Henning is like one of our biggest champions and has been amazing and has written for us and um, was on the podcast and was the president of ACPA at one point. I mean, like he has just kind of come out there, but, um, it has been hard to get, um, kind of upper higher admin, um, folks, uh, as well as faculty there. We've gotten a few faculty, um, but it's hard to recruit those because Sue and I aren't faculty ourselves. So I think, um, those aspects uh, are interesting. I, one of the things that's kind of cool about the podcast is that we've really got, for the first time, we've got a way more diverse um, group of folks who are sharing. That was one of our, that's kind of been one of our um, intentions from for the last couple of years was we were like, we need to diversify who is sharing, um, who's, who's sharing stories. And we've got some amazing ones coming up um, that I'm super excited about. Um, so I think that that's also really important in the conversation that we're having. So if you've not listened to the community project, I have actually really enjoyed it. It's, um, and I don't, I'm glad that someone has pushed you to do this because we encourage, um, people to go and volunteer, but not everyone will volunteer because it's a point of privilege, right? So your identities you take, whether it's socially, professionally, in society, um, it doesn't always appease and it doesn't always jive with the culture of your institution you might work at to um, what you feel comfortable being open and sharing because you haven't been blogging or online sharing random photos like myself, Sue and Kristen and others for years. So, And that's okay. The idea is the narrative. And I, I think it's been interesting to hear different points of view and what people are telling in their story versus like – I don't really need to know who they are, but knowing that they struggle with it at a different point in their life or their career or an aspect of their work and personal has been very, um, I think, inspirational to hear and 
I don't, well, not diagnosed, have a mental illness, but I know that I support a few uh, really good friends and family members with a serious mental illness, and it's it's given me something to think about as I support them um, as a friend, as a family member, as an ally. Um, so it's been really cool to hear that be shared. So I, and it takes a lot of effort. I know this. So personal, emotional, and like physical labor and time. So I do appreciate that. So thinking about support, I guess I'm, I'm wondering about if people are looking to you for that support, you know, how you're, how you're handling that and not potentially being overwhelmed by it. And could you share with some of our listeners, like what resources are out there? If somebody's listening to this and thinking that they want, they, they need a support system or they need some type of resource, like where they should go. Okay. Start with your own work first. Cause I saw you guys crying your hands. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I was just like, uh, I need to go uh, Google. We have a resource page on our website, actually. Um, and I so just had somebody today. Oh, good. good. I was like, oh, man, this is very exciting. Yeah, there's a couple of really cool resources. And actually, uh, Sue uh, helped develop or really developed these, I should say. the There's a, um, a toolkit. It talks about one, it, there's like a quiz about uh, different mental illnesses. There's um, language information in there. Like instead of using crazy, use things like absurd, or ridiculous, those sorts of things. Um, and then there's this uh, neat little uh, contract. My favorite part of it, I shouldn't say little at all. Um, there's this contract and it's this idea that you as somebody with mental illness would share this with somebody else to help hold yourself accountable to that. Um, to them as well as like taking care of yourself is, is the idea behind the contract. And I share that I do actually, I do trainings on our, on my own campus and I share that, um, toolkit every time I do a training. Um, and people are just like, you know, clamoring for that. So it's, it's a huge deal. Um, we're uh, linking to huge... both the toolkit and the resource page cause they are phenomenal. Yay. I'm going to say that. Yay. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, Patrice, you mentioned like people coming to us for support and all the time, all the time. Um, especially after I did the PK and then shared it online. Anytime I share that online, somebody comes out to me, I call it coming out, um, because it's a very similar process to, um, somebody who's coming out, um, as a different sexuality in a lot of ways. Like they're sharing something about themselves that other people can't see and that they're slightly ashamed of most of the time. Um, and so every time I do a training, every time I post something, um, even just at work, sometimes people come up to me and they're like, I know that you're really vocal about this. Would you mind, uh, can I take you to lunch? Can we talk about this? I, I never know if somebody is asking me to lunch, if they just want to talk about work stuff or if it's like a mental health thing. And like, about 70% of the time it's about mental health. And so it can be challenging sometimes because, um, I, and I talk to Sue about this all the time. My lunch hour is like sacred to me. I really use it to recharge. I am more than happy to use that time to help people, but then I have to find another time in the day to recharge as well. Um, because it just, you know, I, I'm one, I'm introverted. And then two, I just, to conserve my energy it's already battling depression and anxiety like if I use it for all this other stuff I don't 
I can't get through the day. Um, and so I really love being able to help people. Um, and I also don't always have the answers and that's okay too. Um, but I'm not sure they always understand that that's okay. (laughs) So I, I really having this resource resource page that we've built on the site has been so helpful because I can be like, Hey, I've got a page I can send you to, (laughs) to look at this stuff. All right, because you guys aren't professional diagnostics. Like, you're not going to be either clinical psychologists. And Sue's like, no, you don't have time no. for that. I know. I work with a lot of those people, though. Um, I'm actually <laughs> in the middle of getting a formal counseling degree, and I was a crisis counselor uh, that worked on the suicide hotline for many years. So, I mean, I'm coming at it from both perspectives in that way. But no, I don't. I don't want to be someone. It's not your job at your job, though. Thing. That's not your role. No, right. no. Well, it's sort of it. Like my job and, and my job job is similar because I do I do oversee wellness, medical student wellness, and they um, have a whole medical student burnout is like a big problem right now too. Shout out to Jeff Jackson if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah. So the other thing I was going to say too is um, sometimes just the biggest resource we can be for people, and this just applies to anyone, but I think Kristen and I, um, particularly this week, are feeling it, is like to hold people accountable or to help people schedule appointments, um, particularly appointments for therapists, because goddamn, they are hard to get. <laughs> um, and we're both. Or psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. Those are freaking impossible. Yeah. Um, we're both, so hopefully November, Sue will already have this taken care of, but I'm in, on the hunt for a new therapist right now. And I, it's so funny cause I was telling Dan the other night, um, I'm looking through his health insurance instead of my own, which is totally fine. And I'm lucky to have it, but just the process is so difficult and that could be such a barrier for people. And I do the same thing in my job too. Like if a student really needs help, I'm not going to give them a phone number and walk away. I'm going to sit there while they call and make the appointment, or I'm going to call for them because, you know, sometimes that just taking away that part for someone is helpful. Same thing applies for all humans, not just students. That's why the committed project exists. So I think that that is a resource that you could be very easily and anyone could be it for anyone. Um, and Kristen and I are it for each other. So it's an easy one. Yeah. I'm laughing because Sue's already messaged me, what, just like a week ago, like, did you make this appointment? (laughs) Where are you at with these appointments? (laughs) Did you do it yet? Hi, it's me again. (laughs) Just checking in. (laughs) I think it was a book I I was reading that that someone had a barrier to even leave their house and like the online appointments are now coming up. Like you can do them on Skype or visual therapist, like whatever it takes them to just start is really important. Yeah. This is something that's come up in some of the podcasts that I've done. Like, so it's hard enough as a white woman in a pretty much, I mean, I'm in Kansas city. It's an urban area to find a therapist that I kind of mesh with like, right. Imagine if you're somebody who's transgender, um, who's a person of color in a rural area, you're Mm -hmm. fucking screwed. There's nobody, there's nobody that can see you that can understand what, where you're coming from. Um, the, the lack of mental health care in this nation is just freaking horrible. Sorry, getting on my little political high horse there for a minute. This is my well, it's pretty much always my topic du jour, but um, uh, it just is so bad and it, there's just not enough of it. And um, it's so hard to get to it. 
Um, and you know, it's when recently we had Kate Spade, um, and then Anthony Bourdain who both died by suicide and people were like, this is a, a symbol of the status of mental health care, which is, I'm sorry, bullshit. Both of those people had access to whatever they needed. Um, it's, that's a symptom of the illness, right? That happens sometimes. You can do everything right. The illness can still take you. But it is really important to say, like, look, if, if those folks are still struggling finding care, what about somebody who doesn't have the resources that those people had, right? Like, that, I mean, that's really what is so frustrating about it. Now, is technology helping at all with that? Is, is that an avenue? If I can't find somebody local, would my insurance allow me to like have an appointment with somebody somewhere else where we're connecting via you know Zoom or whatever tool they like? Yeah, I think so. I think there's still a little bit of a cost barrier with it, from what we know, I should say. Um, but we both know people that use, um, oh, uh, Talkspace, right? Yeah, that's that just going to yeah. say Talkspace. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, uh, close friends of ours use it, and it's fairly affordable, I would say. Um, and and it work it works from what I know. I mean, it's a pretty good option for you know therapist with who's remote and available, and you know it, it's better than nothing, right? Um, but I still think that there's a cost barrier for sure. And if you're in the more severe stages of an illness, yes. that's just not yeah. going to cut it. No. Nope. Right. If you, if you need a hospital, you need a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, it's so funny. I was talking to a student about this today, um, who was sharing his inpatient experience with our first year medical students, which was pretty fucking cool of him. Um, <laughs> but I was like, are you awesome. sure you want to do this? Like, cause you're putting it out there and I'm like, I'm good with it if you're good with it and actually in New York state licensure is protected as long as you're getting care now for doctors. So that's really cool. But just know that like it's out there and people talk like, well, I'm not going to pretend that doesn't happen. He was like, no, I want to do this. Cause he happens to be a straight white guy. And he was like, it's important for me to say this because if anyone's going to say it, I'm the one that could say it. And he was joking about it, but you know, was half serious. So, um, I think that, you know, it, in that, that part of it still needs to really be addressed. And, the committed project has only really like maybe touched on that, but we're, we're more talking to people who have had, I guess, I don't want to use the word less severe because it's all relative, but people who are more willing to share, um, you know, lesser experiences, I guess, not a good word for it. I don't know. We're willing to share outpatient experiences. We'll go medical when in doubt. (laughs) Well, I I think it's been good that you've said we allow anonymous folks to come in. You anonymize um, their audio because I I think we talked about it um, because Audible does that podcast, the TED, the just the stories, right? So um, it's not. That's all Laura's idea, by the way. So credit where credit's due here. Thank you, Laura, for sending me the uh, Sincerely X podcast, because that's where this all came from. And Sincerely X is a great. Um, Esther Perel, actually, really, in her Where Do We Begin oh, podcast, I heart her a lot. She's a great sex and family and relationship therapist. Um, I just like that she gets into the story, and we only you only hear a snippet of it in the podcast because it's only like an hour or less. She does like four to five hours with a couple typically, but um, that's where I heard about Talkspace and the idea of really 
um, digging deep or sharing a narrative and what does that mean, I think is going to expose that there's other people like you. Um, you don't need to know their name or their, their status or whatever. They'll share it, but you don't need to know who they are specifically to say, oh, I identify with you. And it reminded me a lot of um, the Dan Savage project, like It Gets Better. Like this is the, um, hey, we could do better in mental illness campaign, I think. I really do. Yeah, one of my favorite questions um, that we came up with. So we have a list of questions, and we ask everybody the, pretty much the same questions at each podcast. And my favorite one is the last one, which is, like, if there was one thing that you could change about higher ed that would help people with – help professionals with mental illness to learn and to work in higher ed, like, what would that be? And the answers are so awesome. Like if we could implement even like half of the things that people have suggested, it would be such a better place for people to work. Do you have some examples you can share that you can think of? So one of them that came up was to, in all higher ed prep programs, so like graduate programs, to have a focus on um, mental health uh, somewhere in the curriculum. That was one that I thought was really cool. Um, I think it was around like, um, um, wasn't it around like mentorship almost? Like yeah. finding, like uh, within that community sharing because, um, you know, it's it's difficult and then sort of allyship in relate, relating to that topic and how. Yeah. You know. And I mean, even from the blog posts that we did, and there was a Facebook group that was created that's like private and closed among a smaller group of professionals who had openly um, discussed their mental illness. And even still, occasionally people post in that and are just like, hey, I'm having a really rough time right now. Here's what's going on with me. And the rest of us are just there to say, yo, I've been there. Like, I get it. Like, let me know what you need. Do you need me to you know, do you need me to help you find a therapist? And I've done, like, I've done that. Like I've worked with people, I've looked at their, um, uh, FMLA leave or their ADA, you know, policies and stuff like that. And I'm no lawyer and I would not consider myself an expert in those areas at all. But sometimes it just helps to have another person look at that stuff. Um, occasionally at work, um, I, I contact HR for other people so that they don't have to, and don't put themselves at risk if they're not ready to do that yet. Um, so things like that that have grown out of this um, are some of the some of the like small like baby steps that I think if we start seeing those in multiple places, that's what's going to make the difference. So, do you have any thoughts on how we could curate some of what you're hearing and share it out and move the needle a little bit towards systemic change? Yeah, I want some policies implemented by this podcast because I think you have some answers here. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things, like I said, is getting some of those senior professionals, um, making them aware of this. So whether it's sharing it with the other faculty, with your chair, your faculty chairs, um, with um, higher ed administrators, um, getting it out there to those folks. Um, and some of those, some of those people may not be listening to podcasts necessarily, but there's also blogging. There's also the toolkit that they could just print off and use if they needed to. There's a lot of ways, although the tools have been provided online, there's a lot of stuff that you could take offline. Um, the book too. We, we actually found out that there was some, um, higher ed class that was, there was a grad class that was using this as reading 
which I thought was so cool. I was like in awe that people were seeing those crappy drawings from 2015. <laughs> Whatever. Wait a minute. I would have edited those a Soodles little have been great all along. She's just knocking herself. <laughs> no. Um, that's a, that's a like really great question though, Patrice. Um, I think that one of the, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about too is trying to hit every new employee. So I'm in an institution that is definitely not new anymore, but is still growing like rapidly um, as opposed to other areas of higher ed, unfortunately. So one of the things we've tried to do is because I'm more mid-level now and I have a seat at some of the tables that I didn't before, um, just introducing mental health resources across the board to every new person that steps into our building, regardless of if they think they need it, quote, quote, or not, because it's not just someone with a diagnosis, as you said, Laura, before. It could be anyone. It could be someone in their life. Um, and I'm like tapped into this stuff. And I didn't know that we have some free resources through our HR department at my institution. And I just found out and was pissed because <laughs> like, why are we not advertising this stuff? Like, this is great. It is a great thing. It reduces stigma, if nothing else. Even if no one uses it, at least we're talking about it. So I think that that just that stuff alone, if you have the ear of someone who's going to do new trainings or if you even if you don't and just say, hey, when I was a new employee, this would have been really helpful. I think it should be included um, or impacting your department. I mean, whatever you can do is something right. So use whatever leverage you have just to sort of change your own little little circle. Like I'm thinking of new faculty orientation talks about the students, like if there was an issue with the student, but what if there was an issue with the faculty or the new staff member? Like, right. I, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I think that we're so turned towards the student part of it, which is great and fine. And we should be, it's our jobs. But also if we're, as Kristen and I like point out all the time, if we're not well, we can't really perform at our best. <laughs> so it's okay to, you know, make resources available for other employees in that way. Do you think, you know, I see, um, with budget cuts and things, you know, we see a lot of times that people are being asked to take more and more on. And certainly that's creating a lot of stress for people in unhealthy environments where they can't thrive. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how, how we might think about carving out space for people to focus on meditation or something that they care about or just, you know, time to think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you're right. That's happening everywhere. Um, and it's, it's hugely important that we do that. I think there's a couple things there. One is there's this, I think we need a sense of value from our supervisors, from our supervisors, supervisors, whatever, you know, like that, that's one of the things we need that sense of value. And so there's a, there's an aspect of training there that I think should happen with supervisors on how to, to help provide that. But also, yeah, meditation. Um, I work in marketing and communications now and we do on Friday afternoons, we do creative time. And so it's a chance for us to, it's only 30 minutes, but in, it's at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I almost never, and I know that my supervisor will, may hear this at some point, but I almost never get anything done afterwards because it's just like a chance for us to like, kind of like 
get our heads out of work stuff. And the idea that when we come back the next week, we're refreshed, we're thinking differently about projects, um, sometimes even the same day, not often, but sometimes the same day. Um, and so there is that expectation. And one of the things that I think is really important is setting those expectations. If you supervise people, setting that those expectations with your staff that I expect that if you're not taking a lunch away, like that you're taking that time somewhere else, that you're using that if exercise is your meditation or your stress relief, then how can I, how can I support you? Do you need to leave early to go to the gym on the way home? Is that easier? You know, like finding ways to do that um, and be more flexible. And I think that's the thing that is probably missing in a lot of higher ed workplaces is that we're asking people to take on more and then we're expecting them to still stick to an eight to five schedule um, with lunch between 12 and one. And that just like, if we're going to, if we're going to make you do all this stuff, maybe we need to find more ways to let people work from home or other places. Maybe we need to find ways to, um, allow them to take lunch at 10 if that's their ideal workout time, or they just need to go, you know, have coffee somewhere or whatever and draw suitals or whatever. Um, and you know, like to, to do something, we just, that, that flexibility needs to be more, uh, built into what we're doing if we're going to require people to do more work. Could you tell me a little bit more about the creative time? Yeah. So we, um, yeah, I envision yeah, Play-Doh and whatnot. Do, do we have some uh, of these? We don't have Play-Doh. We do origami sometimes. sometimes I'm so jealous of that. I know. Origami, coloring books. Um, some folks bring like word puzzles because we have, we have, um, uh, editors, we have designers, we have web people, I bring cross stitch sometimes. Sometimes I'm just actually making the patterns for my cross stitch. Sometimes I, it's hard to actually write during the time. Cause a lot of times we're chatting as we do it as well. So I don't get a lot of writing done. Um, one week I took a notepad and just made a started making like a, I call it a not bucket list. Cause there was that horrible movie, the bucket list. And so I really don't want to associate it with that, but like, these were things that I wanted to do, but that were manageable. So like one of the things was to have blue hair, which I now have, but like just things like that, that like just fun things that I've always wanted to do and like start thinking about them more constructively. Like when could I do this? And so, um, yeah, we, that's kind of what we do with that creative time. Um, sometimes it's, Sometimes somebody brings something and like teaches the rest of us. And then other times we all just bring our own projects and do whatever. Patrice is taking notes for her team at her new team role there. Um, I think trust comes into that though, too, though. You have to be able to, I think supervisors have to have a level of trust of um, their peers and those that work with them. And it, I think it depends on the culture, right? Because that's not going to happen every place. And we, we, we learn this as we go through and talk with folks. Um, by the way, a side question. Uh, the researcher me wants to know, um, have you ever thought about doing this more as a study and maybe getting one of your friends that likes to do research to help you with this? <laughs> I oh my knew God, that how many times. How did I know? <laughs> well, no, because you said, like, they need evidence. Like, people freaking need evidence all the time. Like, let me... Let me publish this for you. Come on, let's talk. Yep. No, we, um, sorry, I'm totally taken over, but no, good. we did so much. We, we tried so hard to find research to back up information about higher ed professionals and mental health. And there's almost nothing. I think Sue found something about higher ed professionals in Australia. 
Wow. They're good to study in higher ed. Higher ed, like faculty and staff in Australia, are really good to study. And grad students, they're really good that way. Yeah. And yeah. The, uh, the UK has a bunch about medical schools. I know yeah. that. Just Shocking. Yeah. And stuff, but only about... Um, so if like residents are faculty, medical school faculty, or they have, they have like that piece too, but nothing about like student affairs professionals specifically serving graduate students either, which is interesting because mm-hmm. it's a whole different level of stress. So <laughs> I plant to see there. We'll come back and visit you in another year. Okay, good. Okay. Great. Sounds good. Okay. Done. <laughs> So wondering if we could, although I could talk about this topic, there's so much more to talk about, um, transition into the other topic that we're interested in. And that is um, when you do have a little bit of downtime, what do you enjoy filling your glass with? Oh, yeah. Like literally fill my glass? Yeah. <laughs> you can have multiple glasses too. Coffee, soda, wine, whiskey. Yeah, know. I was going to say, full disclosure, I like haven't really been into drinking lately, which makes me think I might die at my sister's wedding. <laughs> um, but I have, I guess I had a drink with Dan the other night. I don't know why. I feel like I just am not in that place right now for whatever reason. Um, probably because I'm a little stressed at work. So what I've been doing instead is just coffee. I love, obviously. Um, but in a more figurative sense of filling my glass. I've just been trying to draw again, but not share it as much. Um, cool. because I haven't the whole, it's funny. We, it sort of ties into my pseudos a little bit. We mentioned Anthony Bourdain, um, before, and for whatever reason, like that public, those two public suicides, like really got to me that week. So I haven't really posted anything since, but I've been drawing a lot of comics, which have been very great. Um, and I just haven't really shared them that much. So I've been trying to do that and force myself to do it at least two to three times a week, which isn't as much as I would like, but it's something. So Good for you. You don't always have to share it. Good for you. I was going to say, it's not a glass of wine, but it's doing the trick. So I'll take it. <laughs> so I guess I'm up. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Malbec. That's my uh, wine of choice. Um, I can agree with you there, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when I'm feeling cheap, I do a Boda box that works. Um, but when I, and, and also cheap, this is not actually uncheap. Um, I like, uh, there's a brand called Tussock Jumper, okay. which I really like. It's a, it's a really solid low cost, um, brand that I like a lot. Um, and then in the summer, because when it's warm, I don't like, uh, red wine as much. Um, I drink a lot of sangria. Mm-hmm. So it is still red wine, but like iced red wine with like fruit. sugar, lots of sugar and yeah, fruit. So, uh, was the tea one? I gotta look that one up. So, the yeah, Tussock Jumper, Tussock mm-hmm. Jumper. Okay, cool. D U S S O C K. Cool. Yeah. So, I like that one a lot. Um, and it's, it's a nice, inexpensive one. Um, my we have this great, uh, liquor store up the street that does like um lots of wine tastings and stuff and they had that one time and then they they have a three for 30 sale so i can always get like three bottles of that for 30 bucks which works great that's pretty clutch so. <laughs> uh for our non-american listeners i do enjoy yeah. a wine shop that gives wine tastings and even the grocery store that doesn't happen in canada and other places like ah. these like free pouring and whatever no unheard of it's great 
I didn't know that. Hey, mental health is better elsewhere. Sorry. <laughs> um, you have your booze oh, here. Know. That's it. Right. Shit. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Well, I will say we do have a couple uh, Canadian folks, um, both on the podcast and on the, the blog. So, I heard your podcast, your Canadian podcast one, so that was yeah. good. Yeah. We've branched out international sensation over here. <laughs> you hear that? If you know Fab Pod, anyone wants to talk to them, faculty, internationals, they're down. <laughs> Absolutely. Send them over. <laughs> Is there a particular story or book that you or podcast that we should check out lately? Because, you know, I'm obsessive of podcasts and books like both of you. Um, and I have one to share as well. But what are we listening, reading, doing? No, you can't have so many, Kristen. So many. So many. I have so many. We have so many different mediums, though. Kristen has books, I bet, yeah. and I have podcasts. I have a podcast, All right. too. The you, get, you only get three each, okay? No. <laughs> yes, okay. that's it. If I so I just have one podcast okay. that is mental health related. Good. Uh, well, except you said you mentioned the Esther Perel one, which I love. She oh yeah, is, we'll put that in the notes. You know, Where like do we begin? some yeah. people like fangirl over Beyonce, which I also fangirl over. But Esther Perel, that's my. that's my fangirl. Um, and so the other podcast that's mental health related that I love is um, is called The Hilarious World of Depression. You've heard me talk about this one before, Laura. Um, I know Sue has because I send it to her like every other week. I'm like, you have to listen to this episode. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. John Moe, who's a comedian, his brother died by suicide several years ago. Um, he also experiences depression and he interviews um, all these comics and other entertainers. Um, I think this last season he had Will Wheaton, Amy Mann, John Green. So he's got a whole breadth of folks on there. Um talking about their experience with depression and also sometimes other, um, uh, mental illnesses. I think Maria Bamford was on there. I think she has bipolar, mm-hmm. um, disorder. And so they, I like, they just have a, a broad range of stuff. And so folks come on and, and talk about both what it's like to be an artist, um, entertainer, and then also what it's like to experience, um, mental illness while they're dealing with that. Uh, love that one. Listen to it all the time. Um, books, uh, Jenny Lawson has a couple books. Um, Furiously Happy is her second one. And I, just I, had, I just finished. I just finished it. Did you? Be I so proud I read a book. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. She talks a lot about her anxiety. Um, and uh, I, it's just so good. It's so good. And it's so funny because every time I read some, so I, I also like to do a lot of writing, as I mentioned. And every time I read somebody, I find myself writing in their voice mm-hmm. um, shortly after I read that. And so like when I started actually figuring out what I wanted this book to be, it was because I had read her book and I was like, I get it. I don't have to be quite so formal. Like I can just enjoy this a little bit. And so that helped me with that. Um, I think John Green does a really amazing job of writing fictional stories of mental illness. Um, I have a billion, but I can send you a whole list if you want, but we did, we did post a bunch of them on, uh, the committed project too. We have a, yeah, a books page actually, okay. cool. um, of books that we've, I'll shut up now. Sue, go ahead. No, we'll add that. That's great. Some good books to read if you're interested. Absolutely. You don't have to shut up. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so mine are mostly podcasts. Um, I'm not so much of a – I really do enjoy reading. I just find myself not doing it for whatever reason. I actually picked up – have it over here. Um, oh, the, the one that I started reading is The Humble Art of 
it's the brag or something like that. Hold on. It's right over here. Brag, the art of tooting your own horn without blowing it, which was sent to me by Chris Conzen because he knows me well. That's, uh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's by Peggy Klaus. So, cool. um, it's, it's pretty good. So if, I mean, it's good for someone like me who's terrible about bragging about themselves. So perfect, perfect fit. Um, but I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to a lot of political podcasts. So I'll preface it with that from the pod save America crowd. But the one that I love the most right now is called hysteria and it's an all female. Yeah. It's an all female cast, which is why I think I love it so much. Um, it's like, it reminds me of the imposters except political, (laughs) uh, or should say more political because we dive into that a little bit. Um, so hysteria and the wilderness, which is a um, sort of like one of their evergreen podcasts about the Democratic Party. And I'm learning so many things that I really didn't know before from that one. Um, and it's not like a, your traditional news cycle podcast. So for me, it's less anxiety provoking in a lot of ways, which is really, really nice. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we mentioned hysteria on our earlier pod because we had a political science faculty oh. and does gender and studies. So yes, oh, big yeah. fan. Yeah, I love it. I I mean, I just love listening to women tell their stories and you know, it's just so nice to not be in a room of men. So, it's great. <laughs> like a great way to start your day. Um, I'm not like texting anybody. I'm like adding these adding, podcasts. Yeah. My, yeah. I know. I had to look before at what I had like um and then my one I have like one. three others that I thought of while you were talking, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I always like to throw in my one weird one because it throws people for a loop. So I listen to the Birth Hour podcast. <laughs> what is that podcast? Tell me more. So it's, I'm not a mom, full disclosure, but it's a, women telling their birth stories, which I also think is, for me, it, for some people it freaks them out because they get really graphic. But for me, it's like so cool. To, I also work in a medical school, so that's part of it. But sure. um, it's just women telling the stories of how they had their children or adopted their children or how their families came to be. But it's just so cool to hear what a woman's body can do. Um, So for me, it's not stressful probably because I haven't gone through it yet. So um, that's like my one weird podcast that people are always like, what the hell? Why do you listen to that stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I like it. Make a decision in the future. That's why. Yeah, Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Um, But I find it really empowering for whatever reason. So that's on my docket that I play pretty regularly too. A weird podcast for you. It's weird. called, no, I listened to it before actually we, one of the episodes. Um, it's called everything is alive. Ian Shillog interviews an item and they talk to you like they're a person. So an example, I listened to the episode was called uh, Tara bar of soap, Larry can of cola. Wait, I love this idea. Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. So um, Post was also one with Maeve, who I loved Maeve from another podcast. So um, they essentially interview the person that's a thing, and they were like, more like, so the bar of soap's like, I'm a working person. I wear it at the end. My legend is soap scum. So like, you'd love it. It's quirky. It's fun. That's awesome. I love how podcasting is becoming so creative in itself as a medium and it's not just people interviewing people anymore but it's just like do whatever you want with it like it's just such a cool thing I love it I love it becoming more yeah I so I recently bonded with several folks on Facebook over um Slayer Fest 98 which is the other (laughs) podcast I've been listening to regularly which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer like 
they like parse all the episodes, right? And so there's several of us that are kind of thinking about doing a like, you know, modern day retelling or, you know, like going back and going through the episodes, but like from a more of a social justice lens, you know, those sorts of things. Like a deep read. There's so many. Yeah. Like there's so many great things about it. Um, The only thing is like after listening to this, I'm like, I don't know. Can we, this is so great. They do such a good job, but um, we were, we were talking about doing that. I almost kind of want to do, I started watching it with Aiden and I like, kind of want to do just a podcast talking to him about his take on it because we're watching the first episode and he goes, uh, he's like, is there always just going to be wood stuff around for her to break and use the stakes? And I was like, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, Thank pretty you. Much. I said this when I was younger too. I was like, good for you, Aiden. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That would be so cool. And like, you would have that forever, which would be the cooler part. Uh, about it would it. be cool. Like, okay. See, now I want to do it even more. <laughs> okay. The only, the last recommendation that you have to, I'm going deep. These are my friends from Australia and UK introduced me to, um, I really want to find something that my parents or family member wrote and read each chapter. Like, um, Jamie did in the UK, he found his dad's erotica. His dad wrote a porn series. Oh, yeah, yeah. My dad wrote a porno. Yes, yeah. exactly. My dad wrote a porno. <laughs> if you're a blinker, hello, welcome. Hashtag <laughs> porno day. It's good. Do you, do you know this podcast? I've heard about it. I haven't listened to it, but I've heard about it. All right. We're on book four, which doesn't mean anything because they're all scattered stories. So every week they read a chapter that may or may not be connected to the last one or may or may not be connected to the future book. We don't even know yet. So his dad is sat in his garden shed, his man shed, and drank a lot of Chardonnay and wrote and published, self-published on Amazon. And then he found it, and now they're reading it. So that's so going to be an HBO show now. So, yeah. Yeah, that dad is like living Mallory's best life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's correct. So. Author name Rocky Flintstone is what his yeah. pen name is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, my connection is being a little funky here, but I have two recommendations, yes. but I'll just make them quickly while I, I seem to still be connected. Um, one is On Being with Kristen Tibbet. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard such good things. Love her, and she just has some really, really great interviews. Um, and the other, someone recommended to me, and honestly, I was kind of like, eh, yeah, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I actually really like it. And that is um, Oprah has a podcast called Super Soul. Okay. Um, but she's had some really interesting um, interviews. It definitely has kind of a spiritual, reflective um, slant to it, which I really enjoy. It's so those would be my two recommendations. Hey, for all our listeners, everyone has their phone in front of the screen. They're like, hold on, let me add that. Yeah, I know, right? Like, we're adding that right now. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't do it now, you'll definitely forget. Yeah. I love, um, I know on being, this is such a silly reason to know them, but um, I love their logo. <laughs> like, very Design. simple and very, like, to the point. I'm like, I love that. Yeah. Um, I always told Jeff Jackson we need we need a podcast that's called um, Intervention Podcast. You're listening to too much podcasts, but then no, no kidding. <laughs> it's so good when you have to drive like for many many hours though, or travel for many many hours because you're like, this is great. I just need my phone. Like the end. <laughs> I have to walk dogs, run miles. Uh, yeah, this is the reason. Yeah. 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 For sure. Well, ladies, we don't want to keep you too much longer, but is there anything we should know what's percolating in the next few months in 2019? What's coming ahead? No, too far in advance. 
I think we're just planning on reduce, uh, producing the podcast at our the pace that's manageable for us. Um, <laughs> the Committed Project will be around forever because we're planning on paying well, the website forever. <laughs> yeah, ideally someday we don't need it, but until oh, yeah, then. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Until then, um, yeah. I, if yeah, someone I, would be a guest on your show, they should reach out to you, either one of you. Yeah, they can email me that the email address um, that you gave at the beginning, which is Kristen at the committed project dot org. Good. Um, I I schedule the guests because I'm the one interviewing them. <laughs> so, yeah, they can reach out to me. I We've got a few more that we've already recorded and I've got even more people to reach out to. So uh, we've got episodes, I think, for for a while, at least if we um, if we can get it all pulled together. Yeah. Podcasts are a labor of love and hard, tedious editing work. So we appreciate all that you are doing with that. Um, And I think it's good to bring a voice, an actual voice, to the stories that you're talking about. So thank you. We think so, too. (laughs) We're just grateful that people will talk to us about it. Yeah, (laughs) we would actually be nothing without them. So Absolutely. (laughs) It would just be Sue and me talking to each other all the time. (laughs) Which we could do and we love, but meh. (laughs) I love it. Way to mix it up. Um, Is there anything else that we did not talk to you about today before we wrap up that you'd like to mention, give a shout out to? A taco, um, favorite coffee? I think I'm good. Yeah, I think we're good. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, ladies. It's been a pleasure. Until we meet again, we appreciate you. This podcast wants to continue the conversation with women about stories and why. So we would love to hear you tell us what voices, ideas, questions, and random wine facts you hope we'll chat about in a future episode. Find us on Twitter at or on the hashtag InVinoFab. And we'll always welcome love or messages by email at InVinoFabulum at gmail.com. To stay tuned to for the next episode, please subscribe to the In Vino Fab podcast via Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And remember, in wine, there is a story. In Vino Fabulum. Mm-hmm.